And now, here's your host, Alex Litwack. Welcome. Today we're out on my back deck, enjoying the birds, waiting for the cicadas. Other than that, it's a beautiful day. And with me is Kathy Noble Dutton. She has a long, long list of certifications, but the ones that I'm going to share with you are she is a licensed clinical social worker and has been a therapist for over 25, 30 years now. She's also a certified personal trainer, and she is also a certified cancer navigator. So welcome, Kathy. Hi, Alex. Nice to be here. So this journey that you've been on of helping people all started out with becoming a therapist. Right. That was you know, when I, I went to graduate school for social work and became a therapist and had a private practice for many years um, and then uh, became a personal trainer when I, at some point, was working with people on body image issues and issues of uh, sexual abuse and not being able to be connected to their bodies and also weight loss and body image issues that a lot of women have. So I um, decided to become a trainer so that we could actually like walk and talk. And instead of just sitting on the couch and talking about how we need to do things, we could actually make them happen while we were talking about their issues. So I developed my business called Body Esteem from that. And is your practice mostly women? It's, it's mostly women, but not entirely, no. Um, I, I do work with men. I think that where, where my limitation is exercise-wise with men is that I, you know, I, if they want a body build, that's not my thing. I can't spot a man who wants to bench press 200 pounds. If he drops the, <laughs> if he drops the weights, he's dropping the weights because yeah. I can't stop him. So, um, but I do work with men a lot on weight loss, um, if they're needing to change their diet, I have uh, someone in my practice who's, you know, was diagnosed as diabetic. He really wanted to look at how to change his diet. Um, and I do work with people with cancer. I will work with more men in my practice in that regard. Cancer, the big C, is not usually uh, a happy or an easy topic. No, what, it's not. What yeah. spurred you on to to expand in that way? Well, honestly, it was through my own cancer diagnosis um, eight years ago. So that that was a, a pivotal point for me because I realized, actually, I had thought about going into doing some more corporate wellness, and then and I had taken a certification as a wellness coach. And then I was diagnosed with cancer myself, and at that point realized that there's a lot more that needs to be offered to patients than what a hospital pra you know, uh, practice can offer. Doctors are great at dealing with killing the cancer. That's what they're trained to do. And all the other things that go with it, like can't you, you know, your diet, how do you exercise, how do you continue to have any kind of quality of life, those kinds of issues, psychosocial issues, they're just not addressed. It's not, um, it's not in their bailiwick and it's not in their time frame, really, honestly. It's like, you know, you get X amount of time with your doctor, they don't have time to cover all these things and they don't t typically offer them as, um, even nutrition, you can see a nutritionist if you really need to, but it's not 
you're not going to get like the same the the full complete picture that I felt after my experience really needed to be available to people. I would imagine that many people out there who are listening who have either also battled cancer or have loved ones who have would share your sentiment that Western medical doctors are very focused on how we can treat you medically. Absolutely. Right. Whether it's surgery right. or drugs, infusions, whatever you want to call right. it. Chemo, Ra radiation. radiation. Right. Yeah. But looking at the whole person is not really their thing. It's not. It's not. Um, and I have to say, you said, you know, people's battle with cancer. I actually um, sort of react internally to the w word battle. Okay. I think that's what we have um, in our society l decided to look at cancer as, you know, it's a, you're a warrior, it's a battle, you, you know, you lost your battle if you didn't, you know, survive your cancer. And it really puts you into this mode of thinking that people have this expectation that you should rise up to the, you know, to the task and that if you are not, um, if you're not successful, that somehow it's, it's on you. And I think that it also sort of separates us in some ways from our bodies because we're at war. Like we are, the cancer is within us and we are dealing with it and it is part of who we are, but it is not all of who we are. So it sets us up for this really odd dynamic of being at odds with your own body. And that, again, when you like circle back to the, the idea of a 360 um, treatment model of all, all of the things that you can do to support yourself, you can't be at odds with yourself and at war with yourself and still be supporting yourself in all these ways. Like you in some ways have to um, acknowledge that the cancer is part of who you are, but it's not who you are entirely. So if calling someone a warrior mm -hmm. or a cancer combatant is not particularly nurturing, how do you frame this? Do you say that you're on just a, a health journey? No, because it is more than that, clearly. I think it is, you frame it as cancer is part of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you hear people by being diagnosed, sometimes you'll hear, the, you know, these stories of people, though they took out a tumor the size of a grapefruit or, you know. <laughs> but generally speaking, that's not the case. Like, if you think about breast cancer, they, they may have a two-centimeter or two-millimeter nodule or, or, you know, some kind of growth. If, if you look at that on a ruler, it's very tiny. So if you think of it in terms of your whole body, it's a very small part of your whole body. So that is the best way I would say to look at it is that you are coexisting. I think it sets up a bad mindset to think that you are, are like at odds with this piece of your body. I absolutely think you're right. So I, I'm gonna reframe because I think that in particular with women, but with all people mm -hmm. who struggle with any kind of health issue or weight issue, they are battling all the time. And it, it doesn't serve them well Not at all. to pick apart your body right. and say, oh, I don't like my thighs, or oh, you right. know, I've got this huge belly, and oh, now I have cancer. It's We have to figure out a way to allow ourselves to treat that cancer 
and to support mm -hmm. ourselves mentally, emotionally, and physically. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's a, it's a hard thing, and I have heard many people, including myself when I was diagnosed, you know, talk about what did I do wrong? Like, how, how did I, I, you know, I was exercising, I ate, you know, relatively healthy, you know, my weight was normal. How did this happen to me? You know, and again, it's this, this uh, mindset of my body has betrayed me mm -hmm. somehow. Mm -hmm. And I know I my personally went through a struggle with that because I had, you know, I, I had, you know, my entire work is about health and taking care of your body and eating well and exercising and then I got cancer like how did that happen and then I you know I remember saying to someone I I'm having a crisis of faith I really believed that if I did all of these things that I wouldn't get these diseases you know I wouldn't end up with cancer and um and I just thought, well, that's the, re, you know, quote unquote, religion I had, you know, subscribed to. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, you know, there's that didn't all, all of those things I believed in didn't happen. And I remember somebody saying to me, were you going to go out and eat a donut now? And I said, oh, God, no. And, and she goes, well, I guess you haven't given up on it that much. So, so you know, but it is this sort of sense of. How did this happen? I must have done something wrong. Not a good mindset. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, cancer happens to people. Unfortunately, we, the, you know, some of it's lifestyle related, some of it's environmental. We don't really know. We have not figured all that out and yet. And genetics. And genetics. And, you know, so there's a, a mix of everything. And, um, like, I had a woman who came to me because she, after she was diagnosed, she was afraid to eat anything. She didn't know what was safe or what wasn't safe, and she was afraid to touch food because she didn't know if it was full of chemicals or if that's how she got her cancer. And it was, you know, she had really come, you know, like come down off the ledge and try to figure out how to reconnect with her body and trust the world around her. You know, and it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Very, it's very hard. Yeah. It's a hard diagnosis, it's a, and I think it is a hard journey. However when you've got somebody like you helping somebody navigate mm -hmm. i think that that kind of support yeah. and and knowledge makes all the difference so walk us through this you get a new client mm -hmm. they've got they've got a diagnosis of some sort right what do you do what's the first thing you do well we'll look at what the what the diagnosis is what the treatment recommendations sometimes People come to me before, you know, right when they've been diagnosed. Sometimes they're in the middle of treatment. Sometimes they're at the end of treatment. But let's say for the sake of discussion that they're coming to me early on. So then what they want to know is how can I best support myself uh, physically? What's the, what are the best ways I can, I can manage this treatment, whether it's chemo or radiation or sometimes it's immunotherapy? Um, and then, so we'll look at how to support them diet-wise. One of the first things I do is get people to start drink, drinking magic mineral broth, which is a wonderful tonic that you can, you can take every day throughout your treatment and afterwards. Um, and we'll look at what they can do exercise-wise. I really encourage people. There are those amazing people who run marathons during chemo, but generally speaking, that's not the case. And so really it's about also adjusting your expectations of what you can do and that um, when they say exercise is good during chemo they, they aren't really necessarily talking about running running 
marathons than just doing something that's not going to exhaust your body but it's going to support it. So we'll look at that. We'll talk about where they are emotionally and where and how this is affecting them and work out um, how, how to support them that way. I also do a lot of work with people related to their when they have their oncology appointments, what questions to ask, particularly since COVID, because they can't take someone with them to the hospital. Mm. And normally, you know, you're usually people when they're going through treatment take someone with them because it's really hard to absorb everything that they're saying to you. But if you're there by yourself, it's even worse. And the the whole weirdness of COVID and having, you know, to go into the hospital that way is really hard. Yeah, when you're meeting with your doctor and they're throwing out all this information and at the time, it not only is it difficult to hear it, yeah. But you want to be able to ask the right questions that will comfort you in some way so you know what exactly. to expect. Exactly. So that we will work out a list of, um, of questions and things that they you know, need to figure out. Sometimes people want to take additional supplements or, or things to help you know, support their bodies. That really needs to get checked out in, in terms of what they're getting treatment-wise to make sure one doesn't counteract the other. There's really no sense in taking chemotherapy if you're going to take supplements that are going to undo that. Like, why bother? You know, so that, so we'll look at that piece of it as well. I do, you know, I do a fair amount of research for people if they're not sure um, how to manage that. Some people want to explore medical marijuana if it's legal in their state and how that can support them and help them with the nausea that comes with chemotherapy. So there's, there's a, a lot of different ways that people are supported with, you know, through me and with me. And it depends really on what their need is. Um, sometimes people just want to talk. It's also what I, when I first meet with someone, I say, this is your place and your time to say whatever you want to say that you can't say to anybody else. Mm -hmm. To ask whatever you want to ask that you can't, don't feel comfortable asking everyone else. And the reason I say that is because when you're diagnosed, your support team, your family, your friends, your siblings, everybody want, has, a, has an investment in you making it through. They, you want to stay alive and they want you to stay alive. And they're scared just like you're scared. And you can't, you can't, there are certain things that it's very hard to say to people who are invested in you being okay because they're afraid for you and they're afraid for themselves, to be honest with you, because of the loss, the potential loss that they made themselves experience. So they don't want to hear you say, I think I might want to stop treatment or I will never do this again, or I hate this, or I'm so scared, or I'm so miserable, because they're, they don't know how to respond to you. And we generally, as cancer patients, hold back on that stuff because we don't want to upset the people around us. It scares them. And uh, so, we, so what I say when I first start with someone is this is your place to say anything. It doesn't go anywhere. Nobody's going to, you know, use this in any way. You are going to sort through how you feel and what you want to do, and you decide what you want to, you know, where you want to take that. But you do not need to worry. You just get this really safe place to say whatever you want. Which I'm sure makes people feel a sense of just relief. Because I think you're right. We, we do spend a lot of time taking care of others. Yeah. 
and their fears when what we need to be doing is really me, 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 me. It, I, I'm number one. It is, and you have to be. Yeah. Bottom line is, and when you're when you're diagnosed, the world becomes you know centered on you, and your family gets centered around you know your support team gets centered around you, which also means that's why they have they have a really hard time accepting that whatever they're doing is not bolstering you enough, or it's not making you happy enough or you're miserable and you know so they it's just really it's really hard but it is all about you and your care team also and sometimes I will work additionally with a spouse or you know whoever it is that is um, caring for that person because they want to know how best to help and I also feel like they need to be supported in the fact that this is hard for them this is hard for them as well they have their own fear their own they're looking at the potential for their world changing and they you know it's it's hard and they can't they don't feel like they can talk to the person who's dealing with the cancer because it's like I don't want to upset them about what might happen to me if they don't make it through it's like this you know just it's right. a snowball right? right it just keeps going right and everybody's walking around right. on eggshells they are so it, yeah. there's a, an organization that I um, volunteer my services with and when before COVID we would do um, wellness days and much of it was centered around the person that was dealing with cancer and then I would run a group for the caregivers if uh, if they had come, there were enough of them that had come to the meeting, and um, and inevitably, most of them, because it was a breast cancer organization, most of them are men. Occasionally, there's a daughter or a mother who would come, who was supporting the woman that was in treatment, and they they all say, particularly the men, I'm just happy if she's happy. Mm -hmm. I just want her to be okay. I just they cannot talk about how stressful it is that they have to keep everything else going they can't express their own concerns and you know the reality is is that the person may be a royal pain <laughs> they don't feel good they're cranky they're bitchy you know they they aren't easy necessarily to live with they're not you know we're not always on our best behavior when we're going through all of this stuff so you know they and they have to like smile and take it because they don't want to upset the person with the cancer. So they really need their own support in a lot of ways because it's draining. It's draining. And you kind of need to go someplace and go like, God, she was awful today. Yeah. You know? And I don't know if she's going to make it or I, whatever. It, it, caretaking is it's really is tough. tough. It yeah. is. I think that I, I, I've seen it. We've all seen it. And it, it, it is physically and emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. You just want this person to feel well. And you're right, you are cranky. I mean, Ugh, who yeah. wants to be sick? It's no fun. Yeah. There's nothing fun about it. All right, you said something earlier about 360 degree care. Mm -hmm. What, what does, does that, that mean? look like? Yeah, what does that mean? In a perfect world? Yeah. I would love, and I don't really see this happening in the, in the medical community, and to be honest with you, it, it's not because they don't see the need for it, it's more because it's not, there's no money mm. behind it. But I would love to see when you are diagnosed that you meet with a care team that includes the nur nurse navigator, the, the MD, the nutritionist, the social worker, Ideally, there'd be a support system. I had said to my radiation oncologist when I got the cancer exercise training, he said, so what would you do with that? And I said, well, ideally, you would have every one of your patients 
be evaluated when they're finished with treatment about what what the potential risks are for exercise. If you've had surgery, if you've had treatment, you have scar tissue, you know, you have uh, physical limitations in terms of range of motion. So ideally, everybody should get an evaluation. So an exercise person would be great to be on staff. And then, and then what you can say to the person is, we are all available to you if you need us at any point in time. Some people are going to want to take advantage of all of it. Some people would not necessarily have feel the need. Uh, you know, the, the social worker, a counselor, usually the social workers in the hospital are not doing counseling. They're doing more financial management need stuff. So, it's a, you know, a therapist that is there to help with the emotional piece of it, groups, yoga classes, all of that stuff would be fabulous. The problem is, and again, I said the medical community recognizes the importance of it, but you can't bill for all those things. So who's going to support the salaries of those people? And that's the problem. That's the problem. A lot of hospitals have added some of that complimentary mm -hmm. care. They, they offer yoga. They, they almost always have groups and stuff like that. But you're just saying it's not enough. It's not enough. And what they're offering is, so there's a difference between having a pamphlet in the waiting room at your doctor's office that says, here, here are classes you can take, versus meeting, feeling literally, and now I'm going back to that image of the 360 degrees, feeling at the beginning that you are surrounded by care. Like here, we're going to sit at a table and we're going to surround you as the patient with all of the tools you could possibly need to make, get you through this in the healthiest way possible. So that's a, di that's a difference. Like when I was diagnosed, I, you know, they, I got a pamphlet, you know, packet that said, you know, there's nutrition, there's counseling, there's this and that. But I will tell you that it was doctor driven. And by that, I mean, let me explain that. When I was having some nutritional issues, it wasn't my place to seek out the nutritionist. I didn't have, that was not presented to me. I wasn't given all the phone numbers for the extensions of the nutritionist and the, the counselor and all, all those people. I was to be referred to the nutritionist if the doctor deemed that I needed it for some reason. And, uh, and I didn't know that, you know, that was not, I was not aware of that. And I'm a pretty savvy person when it comes to medical stuff, but I didn't know that. So consequently, I ended up having a nutritional crisis that ended up with me being in the emergency room of the hospital. That didn't need to happen. That did not need to happen. I could have met with a nutritionist who potentially could have given me some really good guidance about how to get some nutrients in that would help me. They could have run blood work to see where I was nutrient deficient. It turned out I had no magnesium and potassium in my system, so it started to affect my heart. And I could have, we could have circumvented all of that by me eating some more potatoes. You know, I mean, it was like this just <laughs> would have, it, it was not necessary. And it also was a big hospital bill. You know, I, I spent, I was in the ER, I spent time in the hospital, not necessary. But I didn't have the option of seeking out the nutrition person. That had to be referred to me through my doctor. So my thought about this, again, this 360 presentation at the beginning of treatment is that I could then direct that myself. 
that's in a perfect world. And then I could say, you know what? I'm not doing this too well. I'm going to see what the nutritionist has to say that could be helpful to me. I'm going to see, you know, I'm, I'm getting really angry. I need to see the, I think I need to talk to the counselor. I need to, to do all those things. So that's, that's how I would really like to see it be. I think you're right that it would help if people were to seek you or another, you know, more holistic navigator at the beginning. It would help. So that, so that you're not struggling and that you, yes. have, you have some knowledge that will help you not feel so exactly. vulnerable. The other thing I say to people at the beginning, if, they, if I meet with them early on in their process, is cancer is not linear. I'm just going to tell you, because when you, <laughs> when you go for your, uh, you know, you get your, your biopsy or whatever, and they give you a presentation of, this is what's going on, this is the stage that you are, this is what we recommend for you for treatment. You will have this many treatments of chemotherapy and this many treatments of radiation. And so in your mind, you're going, okay, well, let's see. I need, I'm going to have 12 treatments every two weeks, so that'll get me through X amount of months. And then I'll, get, I'll have this done, and that'll get me through X amount of months. And then I'll be done. So six months, let's say. I'll be done. It's not going to be fun, but I'll be done. So what I say to people is, is cancer is not linear, even though they present it this way. I have rarely met many people who did not have any some kind of glitch in that. Either they had an infection or they, they're having breast reconstruction and the, you know, the saline didn't work right or they have to go back in or there's a, you know, it's just generally speaking, it's just not that straightforward. And people get really rocked, yeah. as did I, when it doesn't go the way we have worked out in our head that it's going to go. Well, what in life does? Yeah, most, <laughs> most, most things don't. It's not yeah. black and white. It is a bumpy road. It is, but you know, most of the time we think we're in control of all that stuff. And cancer is one of the things that really, um, really presents to you that you are not in control. Yeah. yeah. It's a hard lesson. It's a very hard lesson. Very hard lesson to yeah. learn. If someone is interested in having you be their cancer Sherpa, mm -hmm. how do they contact you? Bodyesteem.org.org. Bodyesteem.org. Mm -hmm. And they can set up a consultation. Yes, actually, you can book it right through my website. And they do not have to be in your city. You can no. work with people all over the country, which mm -hmm. is a huge advantage. And certainly during this pandemic, right. I mean, that's well, why we're all working anyway. Exactly. So. Which really, I just have to say, Alex, is great for people who are dealing with treatment issues because a lot of times they don't feel well enough to, to make a trip in for an appointment, but they can sit in their bed or on their couch and have a session, which works out really well for people. Well, I have loved hearing you talk. I think that you offer so much to anyone who's gotten a diagnosis and is a little bit lost and you know concerned where where do i go from here so thank you kathy noble dutton for being Thanks, part Alex. of the show happy to be here are you dealing with anxiety pain insomnia or inflammation if so then cbd may be the answer you are seeking at CBD Jubilee, we understand that you may have tried many different supplements and medications without success CBD is a different kind of supplement. It works on a system in your body to get your whole self back in balance. We hope you will come talk to us at 6418 Carrollton Avenue in Broad Ripple, or you may check out our website, cbdjubilee.com.
Thanks for tuning in. Please join us next week for a new edition of Ask the Resource Queen. Yeah.